Hey everyone, it's Marielle. And before we get to the show, I want to warn you. What you are about to hear contains explicit language, adult themes, and may not be suitable for all listeners. Discretion is strongly advised. Enjoy the show. Who went first last time? We Rochambeau'd. I think it was me. Well, we... It was the same story last time. Oh, yeah. So we Rochambeau'd, and then I was going to go first, but... Then we ended up... We discovered that we did the same story. Um, I've got my sexy voice. Your Phoebe Buffet. Mm-hmm. Thanks to this bronchitis. <laughs> oh, you got your nails done. You look good. Uh, thank you. Gang's all here. All right. Wait, he's not ugly. Island Wine by Epsom Salts and True Crime Podcasts. And then the next picture. Um, A social cause I care about. The aggressive deportation of innocent Mexican citizens, especially children in this country. He's This has got to be irony. What about men, Amanda? <laughs> what about what? men? That's what I want to know. What about men? I'm like, every time I read that comment. I'm just, I laugh because I'm like, are you fucking serious? Literally, literally read anything. Well, not just that, but you don't question when you go, like, watch a movie, like, oh, um, it's Dora. Why isn't it SpongeBob? Or, like, it's almost like that. It's like, it, there's just different things. There's so many options. Move along. Yeah. <laughs> this one's not for you. We're talking about women now. <laughs> But, like, if we were, if you and I were men, would that question be? No. I didn't, no. I don't What about so. men? What, what about, about them? them, dude? Every, literally everything else in the history of the world. That's why it's called history. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> His story. It's all of them are about men. Men are always the center. And, I mean, I'm scared of fucking men. I don't want to be talking no. about their stories. I We already know the men's stories. I'm fine looking these stories up as like tragic as they are. I'm not afraid of this. You know, it's like when men, when these men kill, it's like a random familial. Wait, I just said that backwards. So you're saying men always kill someone closest to them? No, opposite. Opposite. The men are more likely to... Yes, that's why it's so scary is because it's so random that yeah. walking down the street, a random guy sees a girl walking alone, boom, pray. Right. And while I can listen to those podcasts, it's different whenever you're like researching because pictures pop up. It's a different accidentally. lens. Yeah. It's, it's a completely different lens when we're listening to podcasts about men who murder or have committed murders and rapes and all that because then that's just more... <laughs> More stuff to, for us to look out for and put in our toolbox. Mm-hmm. When this this is more, it's they're it's almost they're doing something closest to them because that person might have hurt them in some way. There was yeah. motive, right? There's always more of a. Yeah. There's always more something behind it. It's not as random, right? I feel like there's always a motive to it, whether it be money or um, revenge or something like that. It's, what else? Um, thanks everybody who has Fuck started yeah. streaming and downloading 
it was really cool just to get all the feedback and Dude. hear people who are excited. Um, we're hoping to be on Spotify very soon. Hopefully by this episode, we'll get Spotify on board. I wonder if they just take a little bit longer. Yeah, I'm going to um, ask the liaison. Because, yeah, should Apple Podcasts like, um, accepted it the same day. Right, because before we could launch it, <clears throat> that's why there was a little bit of a delay, was that, that it all has to get approved by the platforms we're submitting mm-hmm. to. And then it gets approved. So it could be, like, who knows? It could just take a little bit longer. Because there was a holiday. Yeah. So... But it's fucking crazy. And this is going to be the first episode that's, like, not pre-launch recorded. Right? Like, I was talking to... We're talking to people now. Yeah, like, I mentioned a story with my friend Victoria, and she goes, Yeah, I was listening to the episode where you talked about when we rode the scooters, and I'm thinking, that? Damn, that was a long time ago. (laughs) So, this is, like, live-action shit. Yeah, like, the first two episodes we were in here sweating because we couldn't have fans or anything on. It was still summer. Yeah. And now... It's December. And the weather is, I don't know. We don't know what's going on. The, according to um, weather.com on my iPhone, unhealthy air quality for sensitive groups. Yeah. So, but it's that's me over here. 52 degrees. All right. So, yeah, thanks for listening. We hope you continue to listen. Right now, the best way to support us is to keep listening, rate, and review on Download your preferred. Episodes. Yeah, downloading episodes. And share it with your friends. And but just thank you. I think yeah. it's been more than I thought it would be so far. Yeah, I was like, oh, we'll get like ten listens. Ha! But I'm like, really easy to please. I'm like, yeah. what? I One know. person listened. Even mm-hmm. our mom texted us. Was like, you guys sound great. I know. Well, and um, Greg even like figured out how to use his podcast. He's like, you guys are funny. It's like, ah. <laughs> You didn't know? You didn't know? Where have you been? Man. Which, like, I think we our intention was to have banter and tell the stories, but yeah. it's like, we're not trying to be we're funny. We're sisters. <laughs> it's like, this is just... It just happens. So, we did have three dogs in here with us, but I'm they're all gone. I feel like there's something I was going to say. Oh, I want to tell people what I saw today. I saw a lady walking with two pigs a black pig and a pink pig on a leash dressed in Santa costumes. <laughs> was one Mrs. Claus or were they both Santa? I think so. Oh, my God. It was like a little dress. It was so cute. I didn't take a picture. I don't know why. I thought, And I thought about, I should just go around the block and take a picture, but I didn't. Maybe I'll see them again. Right? Maybe she'll do that like every weekend. But yeah, maybe that'll be like the new Superman because the Superman guy stopped running. Yeah. Mm. He was like 67 and had been running for like 30 years around yeah. Kansas City. Maybe that'll be the new KC person. Mascot, unofficial. Oh, dude. That Henry Lee Lucas shit. I just started it. It's. Ugh. But I'm already getting some nuances where that it's like kind of pissing me off. Yeah, I even, before I hit play, I was like, this is going to make me angry, but I'm going to watch it because it's true crime, but this probably isn't even actually the guy. He is creepy looking, but it's not that, like, sinister looking at him like, oh, you killed someone. Yeah, he looks more creepy as in doesn't know any better about anything. Yes, exactly. And him and um, Otis Tool. Did you see? I'm I'm literally 10 minutes in the first episode. He just met the Japanese people. Okay. Oh my god, wait till they get in there with him and Otis Tool. It's just like, just two waterheads. Like, they just, not a lot going up 
on up there. It was God. Well, his mother beat him in the head with a two by four when yeah, he was six. Shit. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> but um, there was one part where one of the Texas Rangers goes, he wasn't an unpleasant looking guy. And I was just like, I literally, my jaw just dropped. I was like, what? <laughs> Have you looked at this guy? Are you fucking kidding me? That's the most unpleasant person I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> I think I recorded it too because I was like, I rewound it. I was like, hold on. That's so sad to me. But he wasn't the most unpleasant looking guy. <laughs> he might have been the most unpleasant looking guy. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. But, anyways, wow. that Texas Ranger pisses me the fuck off. T- Texas Rangers should piss people off. You guys read the story about how law enforcement came to be and the Texas Rangers like if you read that story you would understand why that system should not exist yeah and like they're like the good old boys almost like we're not gonna I don't want to say why or history because you need to grow up to your but in Texas they are like heroes the Texas Rangers Uh are like well so is law enforcement anyways well shit anyway this is not about that. No, different podcast. We're highlighting the stories of women on death row, women who have been executed in the United States or Americans in other countries, women in other countries. We'll get there, but yeah. anyway. So who's going first? Do we want to ask Siri? Yeah. Heads or tails? Heads. Flip a coin. It's heads this time. To you. Boom, so does that mean I go first? That means you go first. Wait. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I'll go first because honestly, this is just a warning. The victim is a child. So this is the story of the murder of Christopher Conan Milk. No. No. Are we doing? No. Are you fucking kidding me? You guys. I thought when I said the initials DJM, you said, oh, no. You said DJ. Like the, the person. Deborah Jean Milk. All right. I think this is just what we have to do from now on <laughs> is just do the same fucking person. Are you fucking kidding me? Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, this is one of those moments because where one of our video. listeners commented. Really? Yeah. Uh, the guy, he dated her. Really? I didn't even realize that. I only did it because it was a case where... It was overturned, and I was like, I want to do something to, like, talk about the fucked up, you know, how easy this shit goes wrong. I didn't even realize that was the same one. Like, I remember that comment, but uh-huh. I didn't even look I'm at the name. Oh, my God. Mike G 58 at Hotmail.com. Thanks, Mike. Fucker. <laughs> oh, my God. All right, so then how do we... I don't know. I got my info... From Murderpedia and then Witness to Innocence. Same. I got it from this Arizona Archive Central. Same. (laughs) Wikipedia. (laughs) Huffington Post Archives. Let's just have a moment. Twice in a row. And this is the third time it's happened. It was just that one first time I happened to have a backup. You happened to have a backup. I don't. I wrote this three hours ago. <laughs> oh, my God. And I was going to do someone else, oh, but I just didn't. You know, it's okay. 
Well, how about you still start it, and then I'll just kind of come in randomly. <laughs> this is the best. <laughs> <laughs> so Deborah Jean Milk, uh, when I first like read that she was born in Germany, and I didn't realize that was a made uh, a married name, I was like Milke? Milke. I was like, how would you say that in German? But then I realized that's her American husband's name, mm-hmm. so it's probably just Milk. So she was born March 10th, 1964 in Berlin, Germany. Uh, I'm pretty sure her dad was the military, U.S. military, Air Force. Air Force, and then her mom was a German woman. Then in 1965, the, I don't know, is it Sadik or Sadik or Sadik? Oh, I didn't put it in there because I couldn't Damn, pronounce it. Whatever. <laughs> her family moved to the U.S. and that's where she went to high school and college. And then she met Mark Milk in 1984, got married, and then gave birth to their son, Christopher Conan Milk, in 1985. Deborah and Mark divorced in 1988. Due to um, Mark was a heavy substance user. Yeah, which is um, big in this. But even though that the substance use led to the divorce, she didn't want Mark and Christopher to lose that relationship. Yeah, and she still loved him. And she still loved him. Like, that's the father of your kid. She attended substance use counseling with Mark post-divorce and even made sure that um, while Mark was in rehab, they, like, every Saturday she brought Christopher to see him. Deborah was always present during those visits. She was always monitoring um, because Christopher's safety was always her number one priority. And then his on and off sobriety and having been in and out of jail was a concern for her. So she didn't really let them have unsupervised visits. But post-rehab and jail time, Mark moved in with a sponsor. And he wanted um, badly to have his own visit with Christopher. And then that late, was it July 1990? She finally agreed, due to the sponsor being present, to let Christopher go to his house. And then when she went to go pick up Christopher at 6 p.m. that day... She noticed a lot of people were at the house, and then Mark was high again. Mm -hmm. Deborah became enraged, of course, and that led to Mark attacking Deborah. He physically assaulted her. Christopher witnessed it, and it traumatized him. And so then Deborah scooped up Christopher and ran to hide, and he hid behind a dumpster. Then a friend of Deborah's sister, was it Sandy? Sherry? Something like that. Jim Styles, he picked up. He came and rescued Styers. I'm trying to fucking scroll to find out guy who she lived with who had a daughter. Yeah, Um, because it was her, Christopher, and then they shared a an apartment with James Styers and his two year old daughter. Mike was working at the insurance agency. Oh, it is Styers and uh, Styers, the unemployed disabled veteran. He watched Christopher. Yeah, because well, yeah, because Deborah and Christopher they moved out of. Because during that time, Deborah and Christopher were living with um, Mark's mother-in-law, mother, so her mother-in-law. And so after that happened, Mark, you know, of course, knew where they lived. And then Jim offered Deborah to stay with him in his apartment with his four-year-old daughter, Wendy, where they could kind of share resources and save money. So she and Christopher moved in. And then he, Mark, continued on threatening them. He stalked the apartment. Deborah was petrified of Mark and was even afraid to go to work. Deborah told Jim to call the police no matter the circumstances, like if Mark was ever seen at the apartment. So you want me to pick up then on that day? Yes. But now she was going to move out from her place with Jim 
On November 24th, 1989, she was notified by the apartment complex she'd applied for that her application had been approved. She'd made arrangements to move in after the holidays. And then it was on this day of being notified that she told Jim about her plans to move out. So eight days later, on December 2nd, 1989, Christopher, her son, overheard Jim asking Debbie if he could use her car for some shopping errands at the nearby mall. Christopher begged his mother to go along because he wanted to have his picture taken with Santa Claus. Deborah asked Jim if it was okay with him, and Jim agreed. So Chris dressed himself in his favorite outfit, eager to go. Deborah hugged Christopher goodbye and wished him a good time after they left. She took a shower, cleaned the apartment, talked to a friend on the phone, talked to some neighbors outside, and got the mail. A few hours later, Jim called Deborah, telling her that Christopher was missing from the Metro Center Mall. She immediately called the police, her father in Florence, her mother in Switzerland, her sister in Wyoming, as well as friends and neighbors. Police friends and neighbors went to the shopping mall in search of Christopher, showing pictures of him, but to no avail. Deborah was, cu- Deborah was getting hysterical as the hours went by. Her stepmother, Maureen, and her stepsister, Karen, came to Phoenix. They and the police tried to persuade Deborah to go to her father's house in Florence because they thought she needed to be with family and get some rest. And she hadn't slept or eaten in over 24 hours. Um, so she? she was, quote, becoming a basket case. Yeah, they used words like hysterical and basket right. case. But it's like her son is missing. So, yeah. like, there's a big search going on. Um, and I learned that it's Florence, Arizona. I was like, she's going all the way to fucking Italy? <laughs> no. Like, she didn't want to go to her dad's because she wanted to stay at the apartment yeah, she, because Christopher knew the address yeah, and the phone like, number. Christopher knew his address and his phone number. Uh, the vigil kept on for many hours until the next day she finally agreed to be driven to her father's house, and the police assured her that she would be notified immediately as soon as they knew anything. She gave the police her father's phone number and address. So Deborah doesn't know what really transpired on that December 2nd. 1989 or why well to go back a little bit when she was really rising up in her career um jim took an interest in looking at her benefits packages yeah and was reading all her benefits and life insurance stuff right and she was given which uh i don't think i sent myself the right document do you want to pause and send yourself the right document it doesn't fucking matter at this point (laughs) we're this far (laughs) So Jim called Deborah around 2.45, told her Christopher's missing. In the meantime, the Phoenix police interviewed Scott. Was it Roger Scott? Who is that? Roger Scott was Jim's long-term time friend. Okay, yeah. Uh, So so the police, Phoenix police are interviewing that guy, Roger, and his first story coincided with Steyer's first story, but... He ultimately led the police to Christopher's body. After that, a Phoenix police detective flew to Florence to interview Deborah. She was told that her son had been found shot to death in the desert and that she was under arrest. Deborah told the detective that she was... Okay, well, this is alleged. Allegedly. So she allegedly told the detective that she was upset with her son because he was going to turn out like his father in jail, an alcoholic and a drug user. She allegedly said that she verbalized these fears to Jim but didn't think he'd ever hurt the child and stated she wasn't crazy. She just didn't want Christopher to grow up like his father. She told the detective she wanted God to take care of Christopher, which... And this is all alleged. Allegedly, she said she thought about suicide, but decided against it because Christopher would then be in his father's custody 
and allegedly decided it would be best for Christopher to die. So on Saturday morning, December 2nd, 1989, Stiers told Mike that they were going to murder Christopher that day. They told Christopher that he was going to see Santa Claus at Metro Center. And Deborah told police she didn't have a $5,000. She denied that insurance money was her motivation, but admitted that it might have been Stiers and Scott's because Stiers knew of the policy. Uh, so she was arrested, taken back to Phoenix. At the trial, the state withdrew the felony murder allegation, and they found her guilty of premeditated murder, conspiracy to commit first-degree murder, kidnapping, and child abuse. The state alleged that, the, and the jury found that the crimes of conspiracy, kidnapping, and child abuse to be of a dangerous nature. So she was sentenced to death for the murder, a concurrent life sentence without possibility of parole for 25 years for conspiracy, a concurrent 20 years for child abuse and a consecutive sentence of 20 years for kidnapping do you want to talk about the yeah let's go to 2007 the aclu of arizona filed an amicus brief which is a legal document filed in appellate court cases by non-litigants with a strong interest in the subject matter by this time deborah had been on death row for 18 years the brief raised questions, quote, regarding the admissibility of uncorroborated and unrecorded confessions, end quote, by Milk. So the detective that interviewed Deborah at the time was um, Armando Saldate, and he asked the friend that was with her to leave the room. He did not record it, and there was no witnesses. Uh-huh. So Convenient. Se- yep. In September 2009, the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals found that there was, quote unquote, no evidence that Mil- that Deborah had voluntarily waived her right to remain silent and ordered federal court judge Robert Broomfield to decide if the case merited a new trial. At the subsequent evidentiary hearing, Broomfield disagreed with the appeals court opinion and found that Deborah had validly waived her Miranda rights. So in March 2013, by this time, Deborah had been on death row for almost 25 years. And the Ninth, so the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals threw out Deborah's conviction, ruling that she did not receive a fair trial. It held that Deborah's rights had been violated by the failure to turn over Saldate's personnel file to the defense. That file included multiple incidents, instances of misconduct, including eight cases where confessions, indictments, or convictions were thrown out because Saldate either lied under oath or violated suspects' rights during interrogations. The court ruled that because, quote, the prosecution did not disclose the arresting detective Saldate's history of misconduct, Arizona had violated its obligation to turn over exculpatory evidence to the defense. And then this is a quote from the court. Their opinion, the circuit court said... Quote, Deborah's alleged confession as a report by the Penal Court County Sheriff's Detective Saldate was the only direct evidence linking her to the crime. But the confession was only as good as Saldate's words, as he's the only one who claims to have heard Deborah confess that there was no and there was no recording, written statement or any other evidence that Deborah confessed. Saldate's credibility was crucial to the state's case against Mike. It's hard to imagine anything more relevant to the jury's or the judge's determination whether to believe Saldate than evidence that Saldate lied under oath and trampled the constitutional rights of suspects in discharging his official duties. Even if a single juror had found Saldate untrustworthy based on the documentation that he habitually lied under oath or that he took advantage of women he had in his power, there would have been at least a hung jury. Likewise, 
if the evidence had been disclosed, it may have well led to the judge to order a new trial or at least impose the so sentence less than death. The prosecution did its best to impugn Deborah's credibility. It wasn't entitled at the time to hide the evidence that undermined Saldate's credibility. In July 2013, Arizona Attorney General's office announced their desire to retry Deborah and seek the death penalty for the murder of Christopher. Deborah Milk was released from prison on September 6, 2016, with a $250,000 bond set by Judge Moroz of Maricopa County Superior Court, um, and the prosecutors objected to that. She left jail without speaking to any recorder, reporters and stayed in a house bought by her supporters. So as we learned, Deborah's conviction was solely based on the alleged confession that was not recorded. There was no evidence that Deborah waived her Miranda rights, which... If you waive your Miranda rights, that requires a signature of the witness, and that did not exist in this case. So then according to um, ArizonaArchive.com, quote, at trial, the state was not forced to turn over Saldate's personal record, which contained information about misconduct that could have been used to challenge his credibility. In March 2013, the U- the Ninth U.S. Court of Appeals ordered that Deborah be released or given a new trial. The panel of judges cited course several cases in which lower courts had made judicial findings in Salda- of Saldate's misconduct. The confession could be used, according to the opinion, only if Saldate's personnel record was also disclosed. Well, not just him, but his superiors, too. They were like, oh, okay, yeah. investigate him and everybody above. Oh, yeah, because they had been doing this before. On December 18th, 2013, Judge Moroz granted Armando Saldate, the lead detective at the time, the Fifth Amendment right not to testify. So nothing's happening to him. Right. Deborah is quoted, I always knew this day would come. I just didn't know it would take 25 years, three months, and 14 days to rectify such a blatant miscarriage of justice. Yep. So, as you said, eventually Arizona Court of Appeals set her free, admitting that it was ashamed, calling this case a severe stain on the Arizona justice system. By then, it's 2015, and Arizona stolen half her life. And, I mean, shit, there's so much more. It's just a disgusting case of injustice. She was only 26. I know. I was just looking at pictures of her and Christopher. Uh, Today, she has a job and a dog. She speaks at conferences with other exonerees uh, and innocents who face the death penalty. Because Arizona doesn't compensate those that they've unfairly imprisoned, she's having to sue them for what they took from her, which is 25 years, three months, and 14 days. Yep. God. A book was written by Jaina Bombersbach, um, A Stolen Life, The Deborah Milk Story. That's just so tragic. Just Well, when Roger Scott was interrogated, he shared that that Jim was actually the murderer. Um, Jim Stiers was actually the murderer that who um, shot Christopher. Why? And that Deborah, quote unquote, wanted it done. They said that Deborah wanted it done. And then she allegedly confessed that. Which, no. Otherwise, she wouldn't have gone through such lengths to keep him away from his dad mm-hmm. when he was on drugs. She cared about her son's safety. She let him go with this guy who they lived with, who she trusted. Which, why the fuck did he do that? For that $5,000? Because there was that part where, like, she... What was it? She was going through the mail or she was doing something. And then, was it Mark or Jim who picked up the papers? 
and was like she was like i think that's the moment when he started plotting to kill christopher is when he saw that i would get five thousand dollars yeah and he was planning to split it with somebody that's so fucking disgusting Mm mm-hmm this poor baby. What about men? Ha, there you go. There you go. Look at this fucking... Look at this picture. <laughs> fucking saudade. He looks like every angry cop who will never admit their wrongdoing because his ego is the size of my pinky. I mean... <laughs> you have a giant just pinky. conflated <laughs> dick and pink and <laughs> ego. <laughs> dick the size of my pinky. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, ego the size of my house. Yeah, so not only did Deborah lose her beloved, like her baby Christopher, she also had to go through the torture and the trauma of that whole thing. That's twenty three hours a day in isolation, thinking you're gonna die. Mm-hmm. Hang on, I just clicked on this picture that looks like it's a mugshot of Sadate. Is that him? No. Oh, that's Galego. <laughs> well, that's unfortunate for that detective that he looks so much like the serial killer. <laughs> Yeah. Wow, look at that. That's John Gallego. That's crazy. And that's the fucking detective. They are brothers. Are they related? Holy shit. God damn it. All right, so we have to, next time, if we change our story, we have to send each other the updated initials. So, did I not do that? <laughs> did I? You I said, asked you what you're doing. Mm-hmm. I didn't do that. But well, what I'm are the fucking sh- odds that we do the same one twice, twice in a row? Yeah. God damn it. That's what happens, I guess, when you make a podcast with your sister. I guess we're that <laughs> like-minded. I don't <laughs> know. Because I was going to do someone else, who I guess I'll do next week. Because they called this one, what was it, the Santa something? It had a really fucked up morbid oh, name. I didn't Santa. see anything about a name. I just saw the comment from that um, listener and Googled her. And then found all that. God. Well, see, I fucking accidentally found her because the woman I was going to do is also on Arizona's death row. So as I'm reading about her, a banner for Deborah Jean's at the bottom, and I just click on it because I'm like, oh, who's this? And I start reading her story, and I'm like, oh, shit, I'm going to do this instead. So this this little blurb when I Googled it, the death penalty was restored December 5th, 1918, 19 executions by hanging occurred between April 16th, 1920 and June 20th, 1931. The state's first prison was constructed in Florence, Arizona in the early 1900s. Then death sentences have been carried out in Florence since 1910. Um, 37 people have been executed in Arizona since the capital punishment was resumed in 1976. The 37 people were all male were convicted of murder and have been executed in Florence. That's interesting. I kind of was... It was totally random because I was definitely in my car in the Starbucks drive through when I decided to Google this, like, where the death row prisons are in Kansas and Missouri. Whoa, where are they? Well, I... The one rabbit hole I went down was Potosi. Oh. Which I think it's, uh, like, southwest Missouri. So nowhere I ever want to be. But... Oh, it was just so eerie. Even like, yeah. Well, prisons are eerie, man. It's like your people are being held there. I was like, how close are we from death row right now? And I Googled it and it was like four hours. Well, we need to know how close we are because of all these interviews we're going to be doing. <laughs> you said you were going to do interviews. <laughs> no. And he goes, well, that's going to suck. It's like, <laughs> all right. <laughs> well, I don't have anything else. I don't either. 
Hopefully next time we'll have two stories. Yeah. We still managed to almost pull 45 minutes out of our asses with this. Although by the time I edit out all my coughing and snuff, that's perfect. That's okay. Um, I think I'm going to try to put together like a survey thing so we can learn a little bit more about our listeners. So be looking out for that. That would be great. you know, tell your friends, like, subscribe, heart, whatever all the apps options are. Mm -hmm. Double tap. Download it. Yeah, downloading is important because then we get to see, like, who is Mm. listening. Because if you just stream it. Yeah, we want to actually see our analytics. So you have to actually engage, not just listen. Yeah. For us to see it. Yes, yes, yes. Please. This has been me and my sexy voice. <laughs> Did we ever introduce ourselves and say what we are in the beginning? I think so. Oh. Well, if not, we'll just do it right now. Or like, we can just do an outro. Oh, yeah. No, I think we did. Well, anyways. Anyway, I'm Amanda. I'm Mario. This has been... The Women of Death Row. Have a great week. I almost said you too. <laughs> <laughs>